Hello and welcome to Radiance and Resilience with Betty Parker. It's a pleasure to be your host as we tackle some of life's most mundane and most trying challenges. Today's topic isn't that tough, but it's certainly useful. You're going to learn a few things. You're going to get some great advice around how to stay on track toward your New Year's goals. Today, I speak with a clinical psychologist and coach who will help you learn how to do some careful self-examination and ask yourself the right questions that won't let you fail at goal setting and goal achievement. You're going to get a lot out of this discussion. I know I did. So prepare yourself to be enlightened and challenged to refine your goals and find your success. The ways to do that are coming up right after this break. And welcome back to Radiance and Resilience. I am joined by Dr. Leslie Besselou, who is an executive coach, and she's a clinical psychologist, and she is um, her company is Transformations, and she works with people just like you, and I enjoy talking to her simply because she has so much to share with us around our topic today. And so I'd like to invite you and say Happy New Year to you, Dr. Bessie Lee. Happy New Year. I'm so happy <laughs> to be here. Uh, this is going to be good because I think it's a very pertinent topic. We're, you know, I don't know about you, mm-hmm. Leslie, but I have been on social media a lot these past mm-hmm. few days and everywhere I look, everybody's talking about, you know, this clear vision for 2020, mm-hmm. you know, the whole 2020 mm-hmm. thing, right? And so they're all excited about the beginning of this new year and all these goals they're going to set and all these things they hope to achieve. But we know, even if people don't call it resolutions, we know that the beginning of a new year always brings about people trying to do things anew, Mm -hmm. right? They're refreshing all these things in their Mm -hmm. lives. And so we also know that people tend to start that way, but by before the spring even comes, we've abandoned a lot of those goals that we've established for ourselves. And I want to talk a little bit today about just the mindset, because, you know, a lot of those goals get abandoned simply because we're not in the right frame of mind all the time to stay on point mm-hmm. with things. Mm-hmm. And so um, just, it, you know, as a coach, if you were to coach me <laughs> and I were to come to you and say, uh, you know, Dr. Leslie, I started out in January uh, planning to, oh, I'll do this one. I, I was planning to lose weight. You know, that's Mm-hmm. All right. So I was planning mm-hmm. to lose weight. Here it is two, three months later, and I haven't lost five mm-hmm. pounds. So mm-hmm. I need to be able to get back on track. What am I doing wrong? What would be your response to me? Well, that's a good one because you're right. It's, 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 a, it's a goal that a lot of people set. And, um, and people are often very motivated by that particular goal or whatever goal they decide they're going to pursue. But I would probably look at or have you tell me, um, why that goal is important to you and why you're ready to, to embrace it now. What is different about now than, say, three months ago or even six months ago? Because mm. that's what I find that um, is probably the biggest variable is people select goals for a number of different reasons. And sometimes the goal isn't necessarily the one that you really want. So, Mm. you know, I often hear people say, well, I know I need to lose weight. And so with the beginning of the new year, people get caught up in the fact that you're supposed to set some major goals. (laughs) You're supposed to have New Year's resolutions. So I've got to get on board. I've wanted to lose weight for a long time. So, okay, that's one of my goals. I know I need to lose weight. So that would be one of the things I would ask is, why is that important to you? And why is it important now? 
and let's look at the plan that you developed to lose weight. Okay, so I have to go back and think about what motivated me to make that decision in the first place, yes. right? All right. And so that thing that had me all pumped and excited in the mm-hmm. beginning, I need to find a way to recapture that so I can get back on track. Yes. Is that what you Absolutely. You're Either recapture it or find out, is that really something that you were ready to, that you were actually ready to do in January? Or were you just caught up in the hype of mm-hmm. saying, I need to have a goal so I can tell everybody else, this is my goal. <laughs> right. I'm not left out. You know, uh-huh. And so I think yeah. it's important for people to realize that just because everybody else is setting goals, if that's not where you are or if this is not a goal you're ready to tackle right now, then admit it. So I listen to mm-hmm. language. And so when people tell me I need to do this and I need to do that, I know they're not ready. When people mm-hmm. say I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And this is what, you know, there's a difference in the language. So it's not just a matter of semantics, but here the semantics mean something. Me too, Mm -hmm. you're not quite ready. I'm going to says, yes, I've decided that this is where I am. I'm ready to actually move forward. Yeah, that sounds good because that whole need to thing makes it sound like, okay, I'm feeling forced or pressured in some way to do something. It's not really my decision. Mm -hmm. I'm Mm -hmm. acting in response to some outside force. Mm -hmm. But if I say I'm going to, then that's an intrinsic thing. That's internal. I'm motivated because I've decided this on my own. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, I got you. And it's also indicating that you are ready. You know, saying I need to is a recognition that this is something that's on my plate. It's on my radar. And at some point I'll get to it, maybe. (laughs) But right Mm -hmm. at this moment, probably not. All right. So I want to keep dealing with this whole idea of our mindset Mm -hmm. net because, yeah, I think that's how we get to those goals by that intrinsic motivation Mm -hmm. and not the pressures from the outside. So, uh, and this is so important. I think people tend to focus so much on how they look, you know, Mm -hmm. and all the external things and what people see Mm -hmm. in them are in in ways that, and I don't want to just say it's people trying to impress other people, but oftentimes it is people trying to impress (laughs) other people, right? And so we, 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 we put a lot of undue pressure, I believe, on ourselves to look a certain way or be a certain way or to, um, I don't know, give whatever this image that we're trying to assert to other people. And I think when we fall short there, it causes us some mm-hmm. undue anxiety. Absolutely. Those, right? When mm-hmm. we fall short. So I, I want us to just talk a little bit about how do we take care of ourselves mentally too instead mm-hmm. of all of this you know all of this adornment on the outside and trying to appear a certain way how do we change that focus and start working on our minds and try to be healthier mentally mm-hmm. a lot has to do with self-awareness and so you know you were you were just talking about this this need to um compare ourselves to other people and it shows up when we're overly focused like you were saying on our outward appearance but you're also talking about a phenomenon that goes just a little bit deeper we as human beings are always comparing ourselves to other people and on some level it can be good and that's when we are doing you know making um what we call upward comparison, social upward comparisons, where we compare ourselves to people who are more successful than we are or who are doing better than we are, however however way we want to classify that. 
Um, and when we make those comparisons, we're looking at, we're comparing ourselves to how other people are doing as, an, as a means of inspiration. So mm-hmm. if we're looking to be successful, then we think about people who are more successful, you know, whether it's in our field or just globally or, you know, as a personality or set celebrity. And we try to take lessons from them to inspire us to do better. So that's something that we do. We often do. The other at the other end of, of that spectrum is the tendency to make downward social comparisons where we look at folks who aren't doing as well as we are. And sometimes we do that so that, so that we could feel better about ourselves. Mm-hmm. Well, at least I'm not as bad as so-and-so, right. you know. And so that, that provides a temporary <laughs> boost in our, you know, esteem, esteem, so to speak. But when we get caught up in always evaluating ourselves against other people, then we run into problems. And so it, it does go back to your, your main question, which is how can we be more focused on, um, moving and acting in ways that's going to be benefiting ourselves, but it's, and not necessarily for that, um, you know, always performing for someone else. Yeah. And I think we just have to be aware that that's what we're doing and that's who we're doing it for. And it mm-hmm. goes back to that, that initial question I asked you when you first gave me the scenario of why is your goal important? You know, why is that really a motivating goal for you? And so if we could peel back the layers and see whether you are, you know, wanting to lose weight or exercise more or gain that position or, you know, go back to school. If you're trying to do that for you versus are you trying to do that Mm -hmm. to please someone else or to, to gain someone else's, you know, attention. If we can get really clear about your why, then we can move forward to, okay, well, if you're, this is something you're really interested in, then let's, let's look at, the steps that you can take um, so that you can be more successful. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense to me because I think a lot of people in this whole comparison thing that we're talking about, mm-hmm. they don't realize they're not being fair to themselves in a lot of ways. Exactly. In doing it. And mm-hmm. especially if I'm comparing myself to somebody who's so totally different from me, their goals mm-hmm. are different, their business is different or mm-hmm. their position at work is different or whatever. That's not a apples to apples comparison. So right. I can't expect to be exactly like them because Mm-hmm. We're just in two different areas, right? And yes. I don't, I, I get it where people want to be motivated by other people, inspired mm-hmm. by other people, you know, but be realistic about it in that you're not going to be exactly like that person or your achievements may be different, but they're That's still right. your achievements and you need to be satisfied with those or, mm-hmm. you know, be able to celebrate what's specific to you as opposed to looking at somebody else sideways and saying, mm-hmm. well, I want to be better. <laughs> or <"Get> it, <laughs> Exactly. You know? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of this involves some, some important self-reflection right. on what is going to make me happy and how can I, um, how can I take knowledge and information from other folks? How can I introduce feedback into my world so that I can hear from other folks? So important. Um, things that I can do differently, things that I may need to do, um, you know, that that can help move me forward. Um, I can actually hear from other people things that are getting in my way because sometimes we, we can't always see what we're doing. We've got those blind spots. Right. But if we can't accept feedback, then we're never going to know, you know, why it is we can't advance, what it is we're doing um, that's, not, that's not very helpful. 
And I'm that is so incredibly mm-hmm. important. I, uh, and I'm sorry, I feel like I'm stepping on you, but you're you're hitting so so many good points in there. And I don't want us to get past that part too, because I think it is really important for us to talk about this whole idea of getting mm-hmm. feedback. How do you help people to get more comfortable with hearing mm-hmm. it? I mean, I, I try to train people on how to give constructive mm-hmm. feedback, but there's another mm-hmm. side of that. There's also how to receive yes. constructive mm-hmm. feedback. And we don't often talk about mm-hmm. that. So what kind of mindset should I be in then if I'm asking people to tell me the honest, mm-hmm. you know, tell me honestly about my blind spots and those things I might be missing? So we have to be willing to hear <laughs> things that's not mm. going to put us in a positive light. And so we have to look right. at feedback as as um, it's the vehicle to help us grow. And so if we look at that as something that's designed to help us grow, and, and we also are looking at this person that's giving us feedback as um, someone who is trying to help us, that they are really looking out for our best interest, that can help. You know, the, the problem, well, there are many problems that have come about with people giving feedback in the past. And so, you know, when I, when I train folks on how to deliver feedback, you know, we often start with just talking about this whole notion of, you know, what's been your experience with feedback in the past? What's been the worst example that you've had and what's been the best example? Because unfortunately, too many people have had really horrible experiences with feedback, which makes it very difficult for them to hear you with an honest and, and, and openness that they need. Most mm-hmm. of the times people are going to be defensive. And so I often start out there talking about why people are defensive and um, even sharing examples of, um, you know, times when, when feedback hasn't been good and, and times when it's been, been really great. Um, but I think we have to recognize where people are. And so I was just trying to think while we were talking, there is an acronym of feedback responses. And, and part of it is related to the name of Sarah. And each letter of the alphabet of that name stands for something. And unfortunately, I'm not going to remember it right now because it just popped in my head. Um, yeah. but, but knowing that... Oh, we can look, we'll Google it. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Because there are, <laughs> when people receive feedback, you know, they, they will often either be sad or um, anxious. They can reject it. Um, so that's the S, the A, and the R. Um, they can accept it. And I can't re- remember what the H is, but usually we, we talk about those so that people don't, and I'm saying people, the folks that are delivering feedback, they're not caught off guard when people don't just say, oh, thank you so much for this wonderful feedback, because it really happens that way. Um, yeah. But I think recognizing that people really struggle with receiving feedback and then, and, and as the person that is delivering the feedback, then it's up to you to get them comfortable. And it's up to you to say, hey, you know, we're, we're going to look at how people perceive you. We're going to look at um, regardless of the situation, because we may not know what the situation is. The reality is, although your intent may not have been to come about, come off, you know, as um, being irritable or whatever it is that you, that, that, that um, you presented yourself to this other person, it does it doesn't matter what your intent is. The, the issue is the impact. And so let's look at the way you're showing up to people and let's see if we can't figure out what happened and how we can help you manage um, 
your perceptions, manage your impressions or manage the way you show up. Yeah. And and that really does, because it, it, it makes it difficult for somebody to want to give you feedback when they feel like they're going to get beat up yes, for doing it, right? Definitely. So and folks like to avoid conflict in any way that they can. I'm, I'm getting ready to do a conflict class mm-hmm. probably in the spring. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it really does, if, if you see feedback as the gift that it is, because if yes. the person is giving it to you, even if it doesn't feel good, but their intent is to help you to grow, then that is a gift. And you just have to kind of buck up and mm-hmm. say, look, it's not, it's going to be painful. Yes. this is going to help me be a better person mm-hmm. and the person who's giving me that feedback has the intent to help me exactly so rather than be defensive be more accepting so i found your sarah good and uh, <laughs> apparently they use it in a lot of different ways though i'm seeing most commonly um because i see it spelled both mm-hmm. ways uh one time with an h and one time okay. without but surprise mm-hmm. uh, s is surprise mm-hmm. a is anger r is in this one it's rationalization or rejection mm-hmm. And this next A is acceptance. And the last one is hope okay. or help. Now, that's mm-hmm. one of them. Now, I see a S-A-R-A, but that one shocked anger, yes. resistance, and yes. acceptance. But it's the same principle. Yeah. Um, and I love it, it is. because yep. it, it really just shows the different places that people are. Oftentimes, you know, you will reach someone who has just no clue that they actually, you know, had that impact on someone. So they would be extremely mm-hmm. surprised at you know, the feedback that you're delivering. And so, you know, actually, that's a really, that's not a bad thing. I think, you know, by responding in surprise, if you're the person delivering the, person. the feedback, then you have a great opportunity to, to talk about, you know, well, how can we get some more clarity about, you know, the way that you show up to people, you know, and, yeah. and you know, let's talk about this a little bit more. When people show up as angry, which is the A, you know, then you've got to do a little bit more work to move past the emotion and to really say, mm-hmm. okay, well, you know, what's, what's going on with the anger? Where is this coming up? You know, what, what's going on? And to really um, get them to move past the anger and say, mm-hmm. and, and to really get them to examine the fact that, you know, again, this, your intention might not have been this, but we've got folks that's reporting, this is how you're showing up. And so let's, yeah. let's look at, you know, and if you have some examples, then to be able to say, what was your intention when you had this conversation with this person or when you mm-hmm. were asking them to do X, Y, and Z? Let's talk about your intention. Do you recall what you said? Do you recall how they responded? Um, and is there anything about that interaction that you might want, want to consider doing differently? You know, yeah. just to get them to move past, you know, that that initial emotion. Let me let me go through these real quick, and you can speak to them because mm-hmm. I really like, I'm reading the um, the little uh, descriptions of them here. So first, the, the if we use shock, mm-hmm. so they're saying that the initial response to any feedback might be shock or denial mm-hmm. if the, of that particular feedback, especially if it's, if what we hear is unexpected or it contradicts our own views, right? right? So I'm shocked that you would say this to mm-hmm. me or this can't be right mm-hmm. or what? I don't understand, you know, this report about me. So they're shocked about it. Right. But then we move into anger, like you were saying. And so it says, as we, we realize what the feedback means, shock can turn into mm-hmm. anger or anxiety, mm-hmm. particularly as we see the implications of it. So during that anger stage, people might say things like, you know, who said that anyway? Mm-hmm. You know, right. they're not necessarily owning yes. what was said to them, but they want to, oh, who somebody said this about right. me? Uh, or the report can't be right, mm-hmm. or there's some error, whatever, but there's some resistance, yes. like you said before, mm-hmm. or um, 
in addition to that anger. And so that's what the R is too. So that now I got this resistance that's going to build up because I'm angry about what mm-hmm. I heard. And rather than own what, what people are telling me, I'm going to become defensive. Right. So they say if feedback indicates the need for change, we may experience a period of resistance. So, right, if somebody's giving you feedback, mm-hmm. that the expectation is that I'm telling you this because what you're doing is either harmful to yourself right. or it's, it's a poor performance or something. Mm-hmm. And I'm expecting you to change as a result mm-hmm. of that. But what we tend to do is resist. Yes. And, you know, I think I think oftentimes before we even give. Uh, feedback. I think um, employers and supervisors or managers need to set a better context for feedback. So mm-hmm. oftentimes when we do performance per- per- performance appraisals at the end of the year, and that's the only feedback people get, right. you're often going to get these responses of shock and anger and resistance because Absolutely. they haven't received any feedback the entire year. And then all of a sudden, this was a problem way back, you know, last and month. That is shocking, right? That is shocking. It's like, I didn't know it was coming. Exactly. So you're telling me this and I could have been doing something exactly. about it. You never that's me. right. Yeah. That's right. So oftentimes I train companies to begin to do, if not quarterly feedback, let's do some informal check-ins with folks to make sure mm-hmm. that they're meeting those benchmarks, to make sure that people are performing in the manner in which you expect, and to make sure that they have the resources they need, you know, to do the job to get it done. That way, mm-hmm. they're not surprised by, I mean, no one should be surprised at their annual performance review. Right. And so Absolutely. if we're not willing to do that, then you're going to have to be willing to put up with <laughs> these types of responses. But when yeah. you couch them, and so I often also think it's important to have a number of different ways of um, delivering um, feedback. So mm-hmm. I love doing um, the 360-degree um, feedback people hate it Mm -hmm. because it's often misinterpreted and i think it's done incorrectly so that's another topic (laughs) that's true yeah (laughs) that's another topic but i think there's a way that you can deliver the results so that people aren't aren't able number one to figure out well who said this you know and, and why did they say it but if you can couch it in terms of you know generally these are the things that you're doing well and then here are some areas where you can improve then you they're not feeling attacked so that 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 has yeah. that there's a delivery there but if you're also throughout the year gathering different experiences where you're seeing the employee um, doing some things really well and you're capitalizing on that you're documenting those as well as documenting the times when there are some challenges and you're immediately nipping that in the bud then these um the way you deliver the feedback you've got a whole lot of wonderful useful information that can be shared with the with the individual and they're not just feeling like they're being attacked mm-hmm. and that brings us to that that a in sarah mm-hmm. <laughs> excuse me i'm cover, overcovering coming trying to recover from this allergy mm. stuff but um that a in acceptance is acceptance in the sarah so mm-hmm. it says, finally, as we process the feedback, we come to a point of acceptance, mm-hmm. which leaves us at a higher place than where we started. So now people are saying, okay, I'm going to accept this feedback. Mm-hmm. And you might hear things like, you know, okay, so what can I do to improve? Or mm-hmm. how can I best use the feedback that's been given to me? So they're willing to accept these things and try to make whatever changes are necessary in order for them to be better. Exactly. And I think right. that's, that's what you're shooting for. So that's the ideal. I know people listening may say, hmm, that's never happened. <laughs> <laughs> but again, yeah. a lot has to do with how you set it up 
And I also mm-hmm. believe that when you are having a feedback session, it's important to let that person begin the feedback, you know, and mm-hmm. have them come in and talk about, you know, specific projects or specific tasks or even um, interactions with people and have them rate themselves. And I don't mean the typical self-assessment, but to be able to ask them, well, let's talk about what you did well. Tell me what you did well in those interactions. And let's mm-hmm. highlight their strengths and let's highlight, you know, all of those wonderful contributions and the skills that they were able to use to either close the deal or complete the, you know, the, the task on time and really celebrate that with them. And then, and then as the person providing feedback, then you get, step in and provide them with what you see, you know, based yeah. on that interaction. And then after you talk about a few of those, then you can move towards talking about the more weightier um, issues that you are um, concerned about. And even the, and when you're concerned about it, you, again, have them report on um, what their challenges were. Because if they mm-hmm. can own their challenges first, you know, they'll be more accepting and willing to accept, you know, hearing how other people saw that. So there's a real process that's involved in, in you know, helping people to be able to accept that feedback. Well, you mentioned something a little bit earlier about um, introspection. Mm-hmm. So when we come back from our break, we're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, I want to dig a little bit deeper into how do we do that appropriately? How do we really examine ourselves in the right way? Okay. We'll be back in a little bit with Radiance and Resilience and Dr. Leslie Besselou. Do your leaders have good communication skills? Do they know how to build cohesive and cooperative teams? Are they skilled at managing conflict between employees? If you know they could use some help in those areas, call us at Sharper Development Solutions to discuss how we can help build those skills. We also provide coaching services for those who need individual or group help. Check us out on Facebook and on our website at www.thesharpersolution.com or call at 803 623- Six two two four five one one. All right, we're back with Radiance and Resilience and Leslie Besselou, who's a clinical psychologist and a transformational coach. And she's been giving us some phenomenal information about just our mindsets and how we should receive feedback and how we look at ourselves and all those things that will help us improve as we go into 2020, this brand new year, and try to be better people than we were in the previous years. So with that being said, one of the things, Leslie, you mentioned before we went to break was all about introspection. Mm -hmm. And I believe there's a certain skill in being able to do that. I've heard people be introspective, but they've also been very selfish in that introspection. So Mm -hmm. their conversation with themselves uh, tend to be not like, you know, what can I do to be better? But Mm -hmm. the eye is all around. I I don't like the way they treat me Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. they ostracize me Mm -hmm. or, you know, it's all about I and me, but they're the victim in the situation as opposed to saying, Mm -hmm you know, stepping back a little bit and taking some ownership and holding themselves accountable for some of the things that are wrong. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit about how you would coach somebody to be better at thinking through and becoming more self-aware in the right way. Mm -hmm. So recognizing that, um, well, first of all, people don't like, many people don't like the introspective process. They find it too painful. Mm -hmm. Um, And so Um, I I really do applaud people who are willing to take the time and at least think through 
what they were trying to accomplish. And so in addition to, I think I mentioned before, having folks think about what they are trying to accomplish and what was their intention, um, for, for the person that you were just describing, Betty, someone who's always thinking about, I don't like this and I don't like the way they treat me or you know, trying to, to put themselves at the victim, I would mm-hmm. probably try to help them look at um, the other person involved and maybe to, to, to be able to think about what impact they had on them. So, mm-hmm. you know, to be able to talk about something specific, I know you felt as though you were the victim, but let's look at this situation from this other person's perspective. You know, what do you think they were feeling? And based on what you know about them, do you really think they were trying to do this to you? Mm-hmm. You know, I was talking with uh, a really good friend of mine um, a few weeks ago, and she was working with um, a, a colleague in a different capacity. And for whatever reason, um, she noticed that he tended to ask a lot of questions and the questions that he asked caught her off guard. And she began thinking, you know, is he trying to make me look bad? You know, what's going on here? And mm-hmm. so I, I was, began asking her questions and I said, well, let's look at this. Um, are you two still friends? You know, do you still, you know, um, engage in a friendship outside of the work environment? Um, <laughs> And do you feel that he has changed towards you? Is he still treating you the same? And the answer was, yes, he's treating me the same. We're, we're still friends. Um, does he ask questions like that of other people? And as we started, ask, you know, as she started looking at that, she was able to see, okay, um, this is who he is. He tends to, and we realize that he tends to process information by asking a lot of questions. Okay. And so when you're on the receiving end of that and you don't know that, you can, you can either feel attacked or you can recognize that, okay, no, this is just who he is. Right. So sometimes we've got to pull people out of that, um, the idea of, okay, this is really personal, this is against me, and really get them to see that, no, this is more uh, of a style problem. A sty- uh-huh. That's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. And so we misinterpret a lot of things or don't yes. perceive people in the right way because, of course, we're judging the whole while mm-hmm. we're dealing with people. From our viewpoint. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But it does really, to, to be as introspective as we need to be, it really does, like you say, take um, a lot of peeling away the layers and, and really examining us. Uh, yes. too, too often, you know, introspection is about, it's the whole internal thing. You know, mm-hmm. it's about you. It's mm-hmm. not about all the other people and the circumstances and all the stuff. But it's what are you doing that's contributing to whatever's going on in your life, good and bad, you know? And, and, and that goes back to the questions we ask ourselves. Mm-hmm. I, I recently had to share with a, uh, a client the need to change the question because uh-huh. she kept getting stuck with, why am I always doing this? Why mm-hmm. am I here again? Mm-hmm. I'm always, you know, at this point, in time. And I said, well, let's change the question to what can I do differently? Uh-huh. And that was her aha moment. Right. You know, because, you know, I said now, you know, sometimes it is important to ask why if we're trying to figure out patterns and we're stuck, but when we're ready to move forward and, and, and maybe we can't, we can't get the answers we want to the why, then reframing the question to what else yeah. could be going on. Or mm-hmm. what am I willing to do differently now that really opens us up to more possibilities? 
And so that person who tends to engage in introspection and it's really not helping them, they're just still feeling victimized. They need to ask themselves different questions or meet with someone who's more objective and they can give them this objective person can then give them some uh, different types of prompts so that they can move outside of themselves um, Mm -hmm. and ask the questions that are most helpful. I I totally agree with that. And and I know it's hard for people to do that at times, mm-hmm. but I just think if you're going to go into this new year, this is a prime time to do this. And, you know, just kind of take time over the weekend mm-hmm. to quiet your mind and to dig a little bit deeper and to look at how you're thinking in order to hit mm-hmm. um, those goals you are ultimately setting for yourselves this year. Because it's so easy for us to overlook some of the important parts. Are they, Those questions, like you said, we need to rephrase some of the questions we're mm-hmm. asking so we can get to, um, I think, really zero in on what's important and where we need to mm-hmm. go. Because I think that's why we fall off a lot of times. Mm-hmm. We haven't done the real soul searching and the real yes. uh, in-depth, you yes. know, analysis of what needs to go on. Mm-hmm. And so when life throws you a curveball mm-hmm. or you get off track some kind of way, it is hard to get back on there because our mindsets. Aren't it right. really is because, you know, and so when we when we start looking at what's the difference between people who can get back up when the roadblocks come, you know, and move forward mm-hmm. and those who can't. It has to do with what people tell themselves. And so Mm -hmm. those who are unable to get back up, get stuck in the thinking of this always happens to me or, well, Mm -hmm. I've already like, you know, um, eaten the pie, you know, a couple of slices of pie. So I may as well eat the whole thing or, you know, I haven't gone (laughs) exercising (laughs) all week. So, you know, there's no need to, to get started. As opposed mm-hmm. to the person who says, okay, yes, I had a lapse, you know, and I'm, I've eaten two pieces of pie, so I'll just abide by the 80-20 rule where I eat well uh-huh. 80% of the time and 20%, you know, I'll give myself a break. I'll cut myself some slack, mm-hmm. you know, and then they'll say, and tomorrow's a new day and I'll, I'll get back on it and get back on my healthy eating plan. And so right. it's what you, what you tell yourself. Um, the other thing is, to be able to build in the margin in your plans. Let's build in some flexibility instead of Mm. saying, I'm going to go exercise, you know, five days a week when you know, it's really hard for you to exercise, start out saying, I'm going to exercise two to three days a week and Mm -hmm. try that for two weeks and then gradually build up to the optimal time period. And then that way, when you don't exercise and you've gone two, three days in a row and say, okay, I've got one more day, I can get it in and still have a success. So Uh sometimes I think our goals are too big, you know? So there is a balance between setting realistic goals and setting stretch goals. And Mm -hmm. so sometimes we go way beyond the stretch goals and we don't recognize it. And if you're not going back to introspection, if every two weeks you're not looking at your plan and saying, how well is my plan working? Well, I set Mm -hmm. my goal too largely. It's not realistic for me to exercise five days a week. Let me move it back to two or three. You know, then you can reset. And that's what the successful people do. They take stock of where they are every, every once in a while, whether it's every two weeks initially or however many, whatever their time metric is. They see mm-hmm. how that plan is and then they make the adjustment. They also yeah. say, ask themselves, um, as I look at my plan, what are some obstacles that are likely to come up that could derail me? 
And mm-hmm. so if you know right. that, you know, having company, unexpected visitors, you know, or you tend to work late or whatever comes up, these are some things that can come up um, or the kids get sick. And when that happens, you know, my whole plan goes off, off, off the chain. So if you can identify the realistic obstacles that likely will come up, then you can come up with a plan mm-hmm. for that. So if I have out-of-town guests, then this is how I'm going to adjust my plan. I can include them in it, or I can tell them I'm going to be gone for an hour, or whatever the case Mm -hmm. is. So you're building in success into your plan. And that's the difference between what makes some people move forward and what, you know, really gets other folks stuck. Yeah. Those are excellent, excellent tips on how to keep us on track for this new year coming up. And I wish we had more time to talk (laughs) about more of it. These are, this is so much good information and I promise not to overwhelm my listeners because you've got given them so much and I hope they'll go back and listen to this podcast over and over again, get a piece of paper and a pen and jot down some of these things because this is really concrete, really, um, really meaty and substantive information that I think people could benefit from. So um, I am happy to have had you here with us today. Oh, Dr. Thanks Leslie for having me. Oh, this is a pleasure. Always a pleasure with you. And I just want to remind our, our uh, listeners that today's episode has been brought to them by Sharper Development Solutions, where we provide corporate training and executive coaching to companies that want to grow their leaders and build stronger teams with better relationships and individuals who also want to improve themselves at work in business and in life. Check us out on social media and feel free to leave us a voicemail for any show topics you'd like to hear discussed here on Radiance and Resilience. Thank you so much again, Leslie, for being a part My of pleasure. today's show. All right. Thanks and have a great week, everybody. (laughs)